I love bundles cause they love me so much And I love bums cause you know they're gonna touch my soul You know That was my bundle song, Whitney, because I'm excited about this new vegan bundle we're a part of. So I had to sing it. I, I was really hoping that you were going to rhyme like bundle with trundle or like some crazy words like you do, like when you rhymed purple with derple. I like it when you do zany things like that. And I appreciate you making this fun because this is our intro for an announcement we have about participating in the plant-based bundle this year, which is happening for a limited time, we decided to submit our course, The Consistency Code, to this incredible bundle sale, mainly because we wanted to remind you that we have a course called The Consistency Code in case you missed that when we launched it in 2019. It's one of the favorite, our favorite projects that we've ever worked on. And normally it's $197 that you can now get it for just $50. And in addition to enrolling in the consistency code, you also get over 60 ebooks and other programs related to plant-based living, to fitness, including recipes, meal plans. It's really great. We made it super easy for you to check it out. It's at bundle.wellevator.com, which is spelled B-U-N-D-L-E dot W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com. If that's too long for you to remember, we don't blame you. We'll be sure to put it in the show notes of this episode, which you can easily find by going to wellevator.com. Again, that's spelled W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com. We'll tell you more about the consistency code later on in this episode, but we wanted to dive right in. So let's get started with this amazing show we have for you today. It's said that your real life begins where your comfort zone ends. Well, it's about to get real as we have radically authentic conversations to help you thrive in your personal and professional life while navigating the twists and turns of being human. Buckle up, because This Might Get Uncomfortable starts right now with Jason Robel and Whitney Lordson. Well, this episode definitely qualifies as being uncomfortable because it started with an uncomfortable conversation that Jason and I were having right before recording today. And I asked him if he was open to having this discussion on the show. And this conversation came up as we were talking about the amount of, of things on our to-do list. And as we've discussed in, in at least a few episodes of this show, the two of us are frequently trying to figure out how to stay balanced, how to disconnect from the hustle culture, from the addiction to productivity and efficiency. And that can be really challenging because we have been taught so much about if you put the work in, you get these results. But we have also found that putting in a lot of work does not equal results. And I think that's an incredibly important thing to talk very openly about. And Jason has talked a lot about his transition from wanting to do things more within his heart wanting to potentially leave his career behind as a vegan chef, at least for now, wanting to disconnect from the vegan community in a lot of ways, mostly in the sense of 
social media content creation. Certainly, neither one of us plan on on ending our lifestyles as vegans. We really enjoy the plant-based diet and all of the ethics and compassion and health benefits and environmental benefits of being vegan. But it is hard from a business standpoint. Right now, as you may have heard us talking about recently, we have this program called the Consistency Code. And uh, we have been uh, in some bundle sales with that. And it requires some work. You know, We've done a few business sale, uh, bundle sales over the years, and they have been really draining, actually. <laughs> and this year, we weren't planning on doing one, but we decided to actually participate in three. One very passively, one of the bundle sales we're in is the No Meat Athlete Bundle Sale, which we had been in for many years before. And we love that. We love the community. We decided to include our program wellness warrior training in there, but we're not actively promoting it aside from discussing it right now because we're also part of another bundle sale that corresponds at the same time. And it was interesting making the decision to be in these bundles because I had to examine what was draining me and Jason, what was draining you in previous years. And and for me, what was draining was the amount of work that we had put in and then the output in terms of finances that we got out. So I had to step back and think, well, I'm not ultimately in this for money. Money is nice. Money is important for paying our bills, but money isn't everything. And I think sometimes it's very easy to get caught up in the allure of money. And especially in this world of content creation, I think that there's a lot of mental health issues at play because... And speaking of which, I just got an email coming in, ironically, reminding us how it's so easy to become overwhelmed with notifications and messages from people and just this information overload that can be so draining and learn to lead to burnout. And I think in many ways, Jason and I get burnt out quite frequently. And it can feel very depressing because it just seems like we're being pushed to do so much when really we don't want to do as much. Or maybe it would feel good to do that much work if we did get the results that were satisfying. But I suppose that I've never really felt deeply satisfied. And as we've talked about in an episode with a wonderful guest, which is coming out this week, actually. So Friday's episode coming out on December 4th is one of the best that we've ever recorded in terms of our guest experience. We've had the honor to have incredible guests on this show, but we really, really love this upcoming episode with Corbett Barr because he talks about stepping back and considering our relationship to our digital selves. And that's what our conversation was about right before we hit record today. In essence, Jason sharing openly and honestly, as I hope that he will now, how things are not bringing him as much joy and he doesn't want to do a lot of the work required because his heart isn't in it. And I think this is an important thing to discuss, Jason, not just for yourself, but for anyone else listening. Because I, I think as Corbett pointed out, and I'm so excited, this I think gives a really good reason for the listener to subscribe to this show. <laughs> because if you don't, you might forget to listen to that episode or in our newsletter as well. We'll, we'll remind you of this because we don't want you to miss incredible episodes like this. And really, I truly mean it. It's our 156th episode with Corbett. And it's just wonderful. When he talked about how so much of the online world is smoke and mirrors, whether you're working as an entrepreneur, whether you're working as a content creator, an influencer, there's a lot of people that are invested in showing the benefits of social media. 
but we really need to continue to point out the drawbacks to it. And it doesn't just have to do with social media. It can do with anything that we're doing online. Entrepreneurship, I think, is specifically what he was talking about, is people are invested in in making entrepreneurship, working for yourself, seem like all fun, you know, and the, all the work pays off. But it doesn't always, and not enough people talk about it. So I think it's really important for us, Jason, to share the hard parts about being an entrepreneurs and content creators simultaneously. Oh boy, where to begin? Yeah, I I don't know what to say about recultivating like passion or connection to what you're doing. You know, it's I'm in a really hard place right now because I don't feel like I feel connected to or have my heart in anything that I'm doing. And that might be like, whoa, but you know, you guys are doing this podcast and you always feel so engaged. You know, I just, you know, bluntly, I'm just kind of like showing up for life, but my heart doesn't feel really in anything right now. And that's a really, it feels sad, you know? And I feel sad because I feel like a lot of things that have previously brought me joy, I don't feel joy in them anymore. I don't know that I will again. You know, it's this question of kind of like, how do I re-engage a thing that used to bring me joy that hasn't for a while? And I don't know if the joy is going to return or the connection's going to return or the passion's going to return. And then the mind goes toward like, well, then if you're just doing this as a service to humanity in, in hopes that the conversations or information's perspectives and content being shared will maybe touch someone or bring them some joy, that doesn't seem sustainable either because then you know, if I'm not feeling joy and I'm just doing it for others, there's a limit to that. You know, there's a limit to, I think at a certain point where you can just be in service, be in service, be in service, be in service. But if your tank isn't getting filled up, then the depletion and the exhaustion we're talking about from being of service to others, it can be, it can be too much. And I think that I'm in a place where, you know, there are commitments and there are things that I've agreed to, but I don't know, it's hard. It's hard to show up and do your best when you don't feel connected to any of it. And I'm not, I'm not quite sure how to feel reconnected to, I don't know, it's a difficult discussion because there are times when I just feel like I want to wipe the entire slate clean and start over. I don't know what even that means. And in some ways, it feels like life is doing that to me anyway, kind of just wiping away the things that don't really matter anymore. And How so? I feel like when opportunities kind of start to dry up in life a little bit, it's important to pay attention to that. And perhaps some people might disagree, you know, like, oh, but, you know, persistence and, you know, keep holding on to the branches when everyone else is falling off. But I don't know. I think there's a certain point you get to something where it's like, all right, opportunities aren't showing up. The money's not showing up. The connections aren't showing up. Maybe it's time to just abandon this thing. Maybe it's time to just call it quits. Because I, I think if you if you don't have like a passionate, deep connection to what you're doing and find a way to sustain it, life becomes really it becomes a grind, you know, it becomes like devoid of work, devoid of joy is hard. It doesn't mean to be joyful all the time. It's not not to be in kind of a fantasy land where every single moment you have to be on fire about what you're doing. It's not that unreasonable expectation. But I think if you go through with something, Whitney, and you're doing it and doing it, and doing it, and you're just feeling joyless about it for an extended period of time, it's it's a red flag, you know, it's and it's always that discussion as entrepreneurs or artists, do I keep going or do I give up? Do I keep going or I give up? It's a constant conversation for me. It's a constant conversation. Well, part of this reminds me of the Princess Diana documentary that came out on Netflix recently. It's called Diana in Her Own Words. I was watching it last night, and one of the most poignant parts of that documentary is how a lot of people perceived Princess Diana as being really happy because she would smile on camera. But 
when they interviewed her, she had to actually do interviews in secret. And this documentary is based on these series of interviews that she did where she was revealing the hardships and the depression that she felt and how miserable she was and how that world did not really seem right for her. And it's it's really fascinating to me because it also feels a little confusing. Because yes, when you see somebody smiling, we automatically assume that they're happy. And when I see photos of you, Jason, I automatically assume that you're happy. And I think most people do. And it's interesting too, to look over like, okay, she got herself in this world and she had children very quickly into her marriage. And this is the world I'm talking about, right? Is perhaps... The reason she stayed was because there was so much pressure. She was also very young and she was pulled into this world that I think is hard to escape once you're in it. And then she got very invested when she had her children. So it became less about her and more for her children. And it's sad, though, to watch what happened to her and how, you know, she seems like she has it all. She's married to one of the most famous men in the whole world. She's in one of the most famous, maybe the most famous family in the whole world. And she's getting photographed every single day and has access to probably everything that she could possibly want. And yet deep down inside, she's really unhappy with it and probably regrets getting into it. Plus, there were so many secrets happening. It's a fascinating story and and also incredibly sad. There's a fictional version of it or not a fictional. There's a narrative version of her life in, in the new season of The Crown on Netflix. But I actually found the documentary much more interesting because you know it's all real and it's all these real photos of her and her voice and talking about this. And it just makes me wonder so much about how many people are struggling and depressed and unhappy, but you would never know it because they put the face on. And I feel like that's been the case for you, Jason. So my first question is, why even bother putting the face on? You know, like why smile in photos if you're not happy in that moment? Maybe it's this idea of like wanting to make people feel comfortable, that depression, anxiety, sadness, stress, suicidal ideation, blah, 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 makes people uncomfortable. Why does it make people uncomfortable? Because they don't want to deal with their own mortality or their own lack of self-worth or their own self-immolation or whatever else might be coming up for them, right? People don't want to see that shit because it reminds them of, of their own shit, right? And none of us are devoid without any kind of challenges. I mean, I don't think any human being on the planet is without some sort of trauma that they need to overcome. Right. I, I don't know that it's possible to get through life as a human without experiencing some sort of trauma that needs healing or resolution. So maybe it's because I have this idea subconsciously of, oh, I ought I ought make other people feel comfortable here because if I get too morose or too quote dark or too real, it's gonna really bother some people. I don't know. Maybe that's it. Yeah. I mean, it certainly makes you wonder. And then there are people that share their posts on social media where they don't look happy, like pictures of them crying or looking upset. And there are times where I actually love seeing those photos because they feel so real. And sometimes, though, those photos look like, is this person just trying to get attention? Is this person exaggerating? Is this real? Is this a show put on? You know, the exact opposite can be true. Like a a sad face can look just as put on as a happy face in some ways. And you wonder, like, how much are we being manipulated by this stuff? And to your point, Jason, about like making other people feel comfortable. First of all, like our whole show here is is embracing the discomfort. And actually, that leads me to this email that we received today that originally was actually going to be the main focus of the show. We 
through our program, the Consistency Code, send out emails to encourage people to stay consistent, right? And it's been kind of interesting to see people unsubscribe to things like that because uh, our first email for the this round of the Consistency Code is the second time that we've run our program. The first email that went out was yesterday to mostly strangers, right? Like people that signed up through this bundle sale that we're in that are getting it. They don't know who we are. They're just signing up and getting a free program. And the second email went out today and it was fascinating for a few reasons. One is that like 2% of people so far unsubscribed. And I, I went and looked at the email. I'm like, oh, I wonder if there's anything in here that would trigger somebody. And, and looking through this email, I couldn't find anything, Jason. You wrote it. It's wonderfully written. Jason's a great writer. If, if you get emails from us at Wellevator, then most likely from Jason. And he usually calls himself out in that too. So you wrote this wonderful email. It's like day two. I don't think it's spammy. Like it's, it's simply very encouraging. It's saying, let me pull it up here. Like, we're so glad to have you here. This is what we're going to do over the next four weeks. So we're setting up the expectations that we're going to send weekly emails for four weeks. And this is the first lesson. This is what you're going to get. This is what we're addressing, you know, all of that. And so for me reading this, I perceive it as being very warm and helpful. And this is to people that opted in to get this, right? So this is a fascinating case study for a lot of different reasons, like people that sign up for something without even knowing what it is. And that's, I think, what has happened here because we're part of this huge bundle sale. There's like over 80 products in there and people pay a certain amount of money for it and they get all of this stuff, super high value. And it shows to me this interesting case study of how People sometimes just want something because it's inexpensive, want something because it's a good deal. But do they actually even know what it is? Do they actually care about it? Right. And so I think a lot of people or, or a percentage of people that signed up for the consistency code just did it because it was packaged with other things that they wanted. So in essence, they might consider it free. Like, oh, I, it's like a buy one, get 80 things free, literal case. And we got this email this morning from somebody who signed up for it and said, they somehow got our emails by accident. <laughs> I said to Jason, like, it wasn't an accident. This person had to go type their email in yesterday, right? Like within the past 24 hours, this person went in, typed in their email and opted into this. And then within 24 hours or less, forgot that they did that, thought it was an accident. So that was fascinating to me. But then... The reason that they wanted to be off of our email list and taken out of the program is because they said the meditation is not for me. And they sent us two separate emails because they got two emails from us in the past 24 hours. And I just thought it was fascinating. They literally say in one of their emails, I am not comfortable with the whole meditation stuff. And then they said, thank you. It actually felt like a very nice email. It certainly could have been written like, take me off your list. I can't believe you're emailing me about meditation. And it gave me this opportunity to sit back and look at, huh, like not everybody is comfortable with this. And then Jason and I started talking about how it's so interesting because meditation is simply the practice of being with yourself. It's the practice of potentially closing your eyes, although some people do open-eyed meditation. It's the process of being quiet, but some people listen to music or, or guided meditations. It's often the practice of deep breathing, but some people don't focus on their breath during meditation. And it's often the practice of 
letting go of your thoughts, noticing your thoughts. But sometimes it's not. Sometimes meditation encourages you to examine your thoughts and and focus on them and maybe even hold on to them for that moment. Like there's so many different versions of meditation. And I am so curious about why this person got freaked out when they saw the word meditation in our emails. Like, do they think it's a religious thing? Did they think it was something else that I couldn't even understand because I'm not in their brain? And I I bring this up now because it's all a matter of perception. We think we're presenting ourselves in something in one way, but somebody else could perceive it completely different and be afraid of it, be uncomfortable with it. So that brings me back to your statement, Jason, of well, I want to make people comfortable. We have zero control over what make people comfortable. What we literally, you and I, as people behind this brand Wellevator and this podcast, you and I assume that meditation makes people feel better. We assume that meditation can be uncomfortable, but not uncomfortable to run away from it. And now my brain has opened up to the fact that just the simple idea of meditation can make somebody uncomfortable. So how can we assume that anything that we do publicly will make somebody comfortable? Well, we can't assume anything. I mean, clearly. And, you know, I've met a couple people over my life that stand out mentally who were really opposed to meditation is too strong of a word. They had a massive resistance to meditation. And discussing it with them, the consensus was kind of like, my mind's too active. I'm afraid of what's going to come up. I can't sit still that long. I think it's kind of a waste. I've tried it before. The two people that stand out in my mind kind of had the same thing. I'm like, and with all due respect, you're the kind of person that could potentially benefit from it if your mind is that busy and won't let you sit still, right? They're like, I sat down and my mind won't shut up and I feel fidgety and I feel crazy. And with this person who emailed us, I have no idea what her particular discomfort is toward meditation, but it it makes me wonder if it's the fear of facing one's own mind and one's own thoughts and just having to sit with yourself. Because I think we're so used to distracting ourselves with TV, music, Netflix, movies, social media. There's an egregious number of distractions we can do to not face ourselves, right? So I'm not projecting it on this person, but it is interesting to me why meditation would scare someone. I don't know. The foundation of it to me just seems like, Whitney, someone doesn't want to face a certain part of themselves or they're afraid of what might come up. I don't know. I mean, I also think it's possible that they don't even know that that's a possibility. (laughs) Like, If you've never meditated before or if you've had a singular experience or a few experiences, you might not even got been in a position to face yourself. You could simply have sat down, heard meditative music and thought, this isn't for me. Or you could have gone to a bad and bad is so relative. You could have gone to a class that you perceived as bad and had a teacher that you didn't connect with, right? Like there's so many avenues. I remember when I first started doing yoga, gosh, it started at a gym, my main yoga experience. I'm sure I dabbled in it here and there before. And it wasn't that great of a class in hindsight, but it really resonated with me. However, I could see how some people could have gone to that same class and thought, this is yoga. This isn't for me. I'm leaving. The amount of different yoga classes I've had since I got into it back in like 2006 or so, it's remarkable because every class is different, period. It could be the same teacher in the same location, the same style of yoga, and it's going to be different every single time. But the amount of nuances in every single style and teacher and environment is remarkable. And that's part of the draw to me with yoga. Even me doing yoga through 
my Zoom classes right now, it's always going to be different. I'm different every single time I come to my yoga mat. And the same is absolutely true with meditation. It's And it's true of, of anything. People say this about plant-based food, right? It's like, oh, I don't like vegan food. But it's like if you eat an apple and you enjoy an apple, that's a vegan food. But they could have gone and ordered something that was called like a vegan pad thai and it tasted horrible. And they thought, oh, all vegan pad thai is awful. I'm never ordering vegan food at all <laughs> ever again. If it has the word vegan on it, it's not for me, right? And so we create all these perceptions. And then the other interesting thing is, is when we put them on somebody else, like that woman saying to us in via email that our course isn't for her because we had the word meditation in it. It's not even a meditation course, right? The consistency code is not about meditation. It just happens to have meditation in it. And maybe you know, do we go and take that word out of our email marketing, Jason, or do we keep it in there? And that's the other question. What do you do with the feedback that you get from one person versus that word meditation could have kept some people in our course that could have drawn somebody and they could have been on the fence about our program. And because we use the meditation word, they decided that they're going to stay check it out. And so coming back to you, Jason, and saying like how you want to show up on social media or not show up on it. What happens when you take other people's perceptions of you out of the equation? Like, does that help you come get clear about how you want to proceed? Because you have talked about another thing I want to address is your plan was to go off of social media starting November 1st. We're recording this on November 21st. And you've been posting on social media, you've been doing giveaways, you've been making Instagram stories, like what shifted in you that you went from, I'm not doing it at all, to continuing to do it? Well, realizing, first of all, that we had a bunch of commitments that you and I had agreed to through the end of the year, which was going to require me to be on social media some length of time anyway. So it was kind of like, well, if the door's open, I may as well just be in the room. I'm not going to be halfway in, halfway out. Right. So for me, once we kind of agreed to doing certain things with Wellevator, it was this idea of, well, I'm going to need to interact with it on some level. So I may as well interact with it on a level that I find meaningful on my personal feed. But there's still a part of me that wants to be done with all of it, of course. And I don't know when that's going to happen. I talked about it November 1st, but I think through certain obligations and commitments and things like that. And maybe that's that's part of it for me too, Whitney, is like there's part of me that resents being on it because I want to be off of it, but I've made commitments to be on it and need to honor that. And so, you know, with the giveaways and the bundle we're doing and, and different things that that I've personally agreed to, you know, once I honor those commitments, I'm going to reevaluate. And maybe that'll be at the beginning of 2021. That seems to be maybe a more appropriate time to reexamine it based on what I've agreed to. But I still have a desire to be off of it. I think part of it too was, you know, being in the motorcycle accident and being relegated to staying in the house and having to be very still. It was like, oh, well, I can just reach for my phone, right? Because that's a way to like keep in touch with people. So I think it's a combination of like agreeing to do certain things commitment wise, combined with sitting around and waiting to have surgery and heal and all those things. I don't know. I personally just feel like the desire, you know, the combination of, being in healing mode and being relegated to the couch or the bed. And that's pretty much it. Like the phone is just the easy way to grab and stay connected to people. But then also, like I said, the professional commitments, I just feel like hopefully by the first of the year, I can make a decision to just be off of social media because there is a part of my heart that just, I know I need a break and I know I need to take a pause. I know I need it. It's just a question of when to do it. 
And my question is like, what do you expect or hope for in that time off social media, Jason? I mean, I I think a lot of people have gone off, obviously, in our upcoming episode with Corbett. He didn't go off of social media, but he just changed what he was doing and he deleted a lot of posts and kind of started over. So there's that option. And then I actually spoke offline to our friend Paul Jarvis, who was a previous guest, and he said that he just needed a break. So he took down his Twitter. I assume he's going to go back on Twitter at some point, but he just needed that pause. In fact, I'll I'll pull up his email because I want to get his words right. And I'll summarize, of course, because this is a private email. But he just needed some time away from it is basically what he said and time for focused work. And I think that's another side of it too, Jason. If you're not doing social media, like what what do you want to do in that extra time that you'll have? Probably read, write in my journal, brainstorm think of what direction I want to go in next with my career and my creative endeavors. It just, it feels like if I don't stop the momentum and I don't put a pause on things, then life is just going to continue to distract me with shit instead of me getting clear about what the next phase of life is. And I'm not saying that social media is the cause of that, but I think by eliminating distractions and literally putting a screeching halt on the momentum of things, it allows for space And through space and contemplation, I think, can come clarity and can come new direction. But if you're just constantly going and going and going and producing and producing and producing, that pause is not something you can really take. It's just not really something you can take. And and I feel like I need more space to get clear on what, what is going to come through. You know, and it's like if there's not space, then a void can't be filled. If you're constantly filling, I think it goes back to meditation too, right? Is, you know, if your thoughts are just dominating all day, all day, and you're believing your thoughts, because thoughts themselves are not to blame for anything, thoughts are just thoughts. It's like the weather. I think it comes down to like creating enough space to perceive life differently and maybe have different messages and guidance come through. And so for me, what I hope happens by pausing on social media is that more clarity and more space comes through it. Because if it's constantly just being filled by stuff, you don't get the opportunity to do that. The other thing that you brought up, Jason, is not finding a lot of joy in things. And I think that you're being shown right now the things that you don't want to do that you don't enjoy doing. But are you being shown things that you do enjoy right now? No, I'm not. To be blunt, like the other day, I had a moment where I was, I think maybe I mentioned this in a previous episode, I can't remember, but like I could feel joy in my being for the first time in a long time. And it was the joy that I felt was from having this incredible cream of broccoli soup and just like really enjoying a meal for the first time in a long time. And then I was watching my animals play with one another. And like those two moments of just having this really lovely meal and observing and interacting with my animals playing with one another, it was a palpable thing of like, oh my God, I'm feeling joy in my body. I don't remember the last time. Like, it's sad to say it, but I don't feel a lot of joy in my life right now. I feel like everything in my life right now is just get through it get through the healing, get through the physical therapy, get through the pain each day, get through the, like, and I'm just being totally blunt with you. Like everything is just get it done. And it feels like a joyless existence. And and I don't want to bring anyone down. I'm just being fucking real. Like I'm not going to sugarcoat it, you know? And it's this question of like, well, how like you should seek joy. It's like, I can't move that much. I can't exercise. I can't move my body the way that I want right now. And I know that's probably contributing to the this feeling, right? Is that I can't physically move my body the way that I want to. 
it hurts to be in certain positions. So I'm relegated to like a very small amount of positions I can hold my body without pain. And I just think overall, Whitney, it just, it feels like everything in my life right now is just, just get through it, dude. Just get through it. And it's sad. It's sad to say it, but it's the truth that it's, it's the way I feel. Why is it sad to say it? I mean, I'm curious, like what comes up for you when you share these things? Are you, are you actually sad to say these things? Yeah. It's because I feel like I, I ought to have some level of joy or passion for what I'm doing. I ought to have some level of like inner satisfaction, but I don't. And that's scary to me. And it's sad to me because- Well, first of all, who says that you ought to? Like, where did that idea come from? Well, that's a belief. I don't know where it came from, but it's a it's a belief system, I guess, that I have that one can thrive through the most difficult circumstances in life if they feel, you know, some sort of higher reason or passion for what they're doing. Like, even if things get rough, exhausting, you're suffering, you're struggling, that if there's, a, I guess, a higher reason, whether that's joy or service or pleasure or contribution or abundance, I whatever someone's motivation is, it's like, what do we have to get us through the tough times? Because I'm having a tough time, right? What's to get me through? The joy's not there. The sense of purpose isn't there. So I guess my question is, is like, what what's going to bring me through? Is it just the will to like slog through it every day? Because that's pretty much all I've got right now is just the will to sit down and, okay, I know I need to like, whatever, take my pain medication, move my arm, write the email, do the social media. I don't want to do any of it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't want to do any of it, but I do it because it ought be done. That also reminds me of how we feel like we we ought to be posting and sharing our lives on social media. You know, <laughs> as I've been going through who we're following through the Wellevator account, which is something I, I like to do. It's kind of like, hmm, what's the word? Like uh, spring cleaning, <laughs> I suppose. Just going through people we followed over time, looking at what they're doing, engaging with them, unfollowing people that no longer feel in alignment or accounts that are no longer posting. I do come across a couple different cases on social media, which ties into this conversation of people that just don't post at all. Like they haven't posted in a year or months. And I see that and I wonder, will they ever post again? Why did they stop? You know, it's a natural curiosity if you're checking in on somebody. And then there are some people who explain themselves and even apologize. I just saw that recently of somebody that I've known for many years saying like, I know I haven't posted in a while. It's been hectic here. And I think, well, why do we feel like we need to even acknowledge it. Like, okay, I just answered my own question because I'm curious. So it's nice for an explanation, but I'm kind of want more of an explanation than like life is hectic because life is feels hectic for many of us frequently. Like, I think that's, it's like a word like busy. It's been crazy. It's been hectic. It's been busy. A lot of us can relate to that. Why do we need to use that as an apology or as an explanation, right? Like it almost feels redundant because all of us could use that as a reason for not doing something. But maybe we don't feel inspired to it. Like I think your honesty around this, Jason, is so important. Like you simply don't want to. It doesn't bring you joy. You don't like the process of it. And I've struggled for many years with that same sentiment. I go through phases. Sometimes I feel motivated. Right now, I've been posting more frequently because of different motivations. One is on my personal accounts. I took a lot of photos during my road trips and it feels good to share them. People seem interested and that motivates me. So I share it. Sometimes I share on social media because it feels like an experiment. Like, what are people going to respond to? What are they interested in? You know, how does this post make them feel versus that post? 
And then sometimes it's a promotional thing, you know, like right now we're posting more frequently on Instagram and we even posted a TikTok, by the way, but we reposted it on Instagram. So if you don't use TikTok, you can just see it on Instagram. And if you don't use Instagram, don't worry about it. You're not missing out on much. But I felt inspired to share some posts because we're trying to put more effort into it, ironically. You know, we want people to know about this podcast. We are using social media as a marketing medium. We're using it to share our newsletters and talk about our courses. And those sort of things inspire me from time to time. But you know what else is interesting too, Jason, is I think that we are making our own personal decisions about social media while social media is constantly changing. So you might not need to worry as much about it as you think you do, because as you were saying earlier, this may all work itself out. For instance, there's a lot of people abandoning not only Facebook, but Instagram as well. Instagram has become a source of the comparison trap for many of us. But also, Instagram's changing in ways that people don't like. Right now, I see this a lot on TikTok, which is my platform of choice right now. And a lot of people are on there complaining about the changes that Instagram made recently. And they're saying like, well, I don't care about Instagram anyways. Like, I don't want to be on there. It's not fun anymore. And and I'm so fascinated, Jason, to see what's going to happen if Instagram, in fact, does go the route of Facebook, which is very likely, just like we saw happen to MySpace many years ago when MySpace felt like the be-all, end-all. Facebook felt like the be-all, end-all at one point. Twitter has gone through those phases. Instagram, I think, is on its way and TikTok will as well. Like All of these different platforms will eventually fizzle out no matter how hard they try. And some people will stay with them. Some people enjoy them. But my point being that the pressure might not be there for you anymore, Jason. People really might not care. Maybe podcasting will become the cool thing, you know, (laughs) and then eventually podcasting will fade as well. And I think we just go through all these ups and downs and ultimately none of these things matter as much. So maybe it's just not that big of a deal that you're not posting, Jason. Like maybe people don't really care. They might just be a little curious. And my other point in that is... It almost seems like for you, it feels like this big decision to no longer post on social media. But a lot of people are making that choice, as you know. And maybe if you took the pressure off of it, it wouldn't be that big of a deal. It'd simply just be a personal choice not to be posting on there. And you wouldn't have to feel like you're missing out or feel like you're not doing something. I just think it's it's like anything else. You just have to make a decision to do it and do it. And life abhors a vacuum. Right. So if you create space in your life, as I was saying, it's going to get filled by something else. So I don't know that I'm like worried about the decision as much as I am like wanting to wait for the quote right timing, but I don't even know what that is. But again, I think after we're done with the promotions and the programs and the things that we're doing with Wellevator, the things that I've agreed to do individually, I think I just need to give myself that that space just to breathe. Because in many ways, I feel like I can't breathe right now, proverbially speaking. Not physically. I physically am breathing fine, but metaphorically, creatively, entrepreneurially, I just feel like I need space to re-examine what is my relationship to creativity? What is my relationship to making money? Like, what am I actually doing? Does any of this make sense? Is it going toward a higher goal that makes that resonates still? Are my goals even the same? Because I was, you know, looking at my vision board the other day and how how hardcore I've been for like I don't know, 12 years or something in in making these vision boards every single year. As we're we're approaching the end of 2020, one of my rituals has always been making a list of aims for the year, like five different major aims. These are the five overarching things that I want to focus on for the year. I try not to overload myself with more than five 
And then I, I create updates to my vision board for the things I, I have not yet created or manifested or magnetized, whatever terminology you use. But, but I think, Whitney, for me, it's I don't really have aims yet for the new year. I don't know what my goals are. I don't know how, again, my creativity, my art, anything that you and I are doing, I don't know how it plays into that patchwork yet. Like I really feel like I need to sit down and be quiet and still and talk these things out and feel through them. Because, you know, it's funny, like I, we started we started 2020 and I'm looking at this list. It's in my office, right? So I can look at the list very clearly and I'm looking at the, the list of my aims, the thing I want to focus on, the manifestation board. And I'm like, I, do I even want these things anymore? And legitimately, like, do I actually want these things? Or have I wanted these things because these things I thought would make me happy if I got them, these things I thought would validate my existence as a person of significance and success? Hey, everyone, look at me. I'm successful and significant. Do I even give a shit anymore? Like, I'm really sitting with those questions. And I think a lot of people are sitting with those questions. You know, we've had a lot of time to reflect on these things this year. Life has presented some major potential obstacles some sadness, some purging, you know, there's there's a lot that we each have experienced through the ups and downs of this year around the world. And I think every year shows us obstacles, shows us opportunities to reflect. And every year it seems like when we get towards the end of it, we think, gosh, I can't, I'm so glad that this year is over. I'm so glad that we get to start a new year. And 2021 I think will be really interesting because collectively, this has felt so intense. I wonder how many people will feel disappointed when the clock strikes 2021 and they realize that just because it's a new year, that doesn't mean that all of those problems go away or that things get easier. And I think there'll be sadness for that. I think January will be an interesting month. I don't know if it's if it's going to feel heavier or lighter. You know, We none of us know. And I guess this idea of like reflecting and setting New Year's resolutions and all of that, after a certain point of of doing that so much throughout your life, you may or may not want to continue. You know, like there's no one saying that you have to set a New Year's resolution and follow it. And it's been interesting as we've been re-releasing our program, The Consistency Code, and looking at where it was at the beginning of this year when we first held it. We did The Consistency Code program live in January 2020. You know, and it's kind of funny looking back on it because it was all about like, hey, follow through with your intentions, create healthy habits. You know, if you want to work out frequently, why don't you work out consistently and do it every day? And we're rooting for you. If you want to change your diet, we're rooting for you. Let's do it every day. You know, like all of these different things that people tend to want to do at the beginning of a year. And yet a lot of people fall off, you know, like it's hard to be consistent. We noticed that during the program. But it's also interesting because just because you did all of those things at the beginning of this year doesn't mean that this year turned out to be magnificent, right? I think this year certainly helped some people stay consistent because they were at home and they're like, okay, great. Now I feel like I have all this extra time to work out. I have all this extra time to cook. I have all this extra time to meditate, to journal, to do yoga, etc. And I've seen stories of people completely transforming their bodies in 2020. And I'm like, how the heck did they do that? Because for a lot of people, they got massively out of shape. So the opposite happened as well. You could set yourself up for success in January, but come November, maybe all of those habits went out the window. And then you throw the pandemic in there and people feeling 
depressed or hopeless or sad, losing loved ones, seeing, feeling the tense energy of the whole world and all these other things that we've gone through, it can lead somebody to just want to give up. And I, I wonder, Jason, for you reflecting back on where you're at in 2020, while we were doing the consistency code, but also like offline, like how did things go for you? You know, and like now that you're here in November, are you feeling like why even bother this coming January? Are you based on what you did this past January? Is that part of it for you? Well, I first of all think that I want to address a really funny thing that I've noticed people doing online, which is blaming 2020 for everything that we're doing. And but they do that fun. every year. Like, let's be honest. It's it's like a annual thing that people do at the end of a year. Yeah, and it's 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 old, is what I'm saying. Like, it's old. It's old because it's boring. Because people have been doing it, as you said, wit for so many years. Ah, 2020. Fuck you. It's been such a shit show. Like the year has anything to do with it. Like I know people want to put their their anger and aggression and sadness and despair and put it somewhere. But it's like, it's such a boring extension of victim consciousness to be like, oh, 2020, middle finger. You know, it's like the year, it's not the year's fault. Okay. Next year won't be, it won't be 2021's fault. Damn you, 2021. Why didn't things change immediately as the struck, you know, struck midnight? It's like, it's this ridiculous mutation of victim consciousness people have where they want to be like, and I'm saying this because I'm saying it to myself, like, yeah, 2020 sucks or, you know, whatever, Boston sucks, Detroit sucks, LA sucks. This is why I'm miserable. It's I'm saying it because I, I have the same tendency of like blaming LA for my misery. Uh, LA sucks for X, Y, and Z. It's not LA's fault. I'm in this mood. It's not 2020's fault. I'm in this mood. It's not the United States' fault. I'm in this mood. We just, we as humans have this propensity to just blame things outside of ourselves for why we're feeling so shitty. And I'm, I'm calling myself out and calling everyone else out because it's like, can we just practice not doing it? A little bit because I don't think it's for me. I know it's not serving anything, right? To ruminate in there, Whitney, of like, bah, 2020, bah, California, whatever it is. You could substitute anything in there. Externalizing our suffering and our grief and our despair onto things outside of ourselves and blaming them, it really doesn't go anywhere. I mean, it's almost like it's a temporary relief, but it doesn't really dissipate the suffering we're going through. So I, I'm saying that because I'm observing it myself again. But I don't feel motivated to write intentions or aims for the new year right now. That might change as we get closer. But as, again, as I'm looking at my whatever vision board and my list of aims, I'm like, maybe I just want to, for the first time in whatever, 12 years, not do it. Maybe I ought to just, what if my only aim is to be as present as possible to what's right in front of me? Like, what if that's my only aim? for the year. Just be as radically present as possible to whatever life gives you. I don't Maybe that's it. Maybe I'm just going to simplify it, you know, rather than making it so, I don't know, material. I think that's wonderful. And I, it sounds almost like you had an aha moment, which is kind of cool. I don't know if that just came to you or not. But I think it's such a great message as, as we begin to wrap up this episode, Jason, like what a wonderful thing to share. And I absolutely agree with that. I think simplifying in general certainly takes off the pressure because resolutions can feel like a ton of pressure. Creating a visualization board can feel like a pressure, but it can also feel really nice. You know, it gives you something to focus on. It gives you a goal. And as I mentioned, for me with social media, when I have an aim, when I have a reason for it, I tend to post more often. A lot of the times I don't post on social media, I'm kind of like, what's the point? I don't want to share. I don't feel like I have to share. And it's okay that I don't share, you know, and whatever we do, we just have to figure out what works for us, you know, and it, 
it's going to be different for everybody. As we've talked about so much recently, this idea of one strategy being the key and the solution is is absolutely not true. And actually, that's why I feel very proud of the Consistency Code program, because it's not about giving you a formula. It's just simply saying, hey, we're here to help you be consistent. We're going to be your accountability partners. And I'm also excited, Jason, that we made it evergreen because originally, and for anyone who doesn't know that term, it just means that you can do it anytime versus at the beginning of this year when we first launched the consistency code, we did it live in person. And I love doing that too. I actually think that that might be a more effective way of doing it. But the downside is that if somebody didn't want to participate or couldn't participate at that time, they felt like they couldn't do it at all. So now we're experimenting to see if the consistency code can be effective when somebody does it at their own pace. And we'd love your feedback as a listener if you join the consistency code either this year. Well, again, we technically released it for the first time in 2019. If you joined back then, we truly love to hear your feedback and suggestions because we want to make it really good. And if you just recently joined during this current bundle sale promotion that we did, we'd love to hear that as well. And hopefully we'll just keep it there for you and, and show you that you can do things your way. You don't have to do something a certain way. And, and you know, as teachers, as coaches, we are learning these things right alongside you, as Jason's been sharing today, as I learn constantly. It's like the joy of being a coach is that we're continuing to learn right there with everybody else that we're coaching. And it's very humbling It's interesting for me to look back on the videos that we recorded for the consistency code and see what I was working on at the beginning of the year. And a lot of those things I'm not currently doing, I haven't been consistent with. And so now I have the opportunity to revisit them and say, like, do I really want to be consistent with this? Why haven't I been consistent? And uh, if I do want to do it again, then I can reevaluate. And we, we get those opportunities over and over again. It doesn't have to be for the new year. You know, and I fully support you and you, Jason, in continuing to adjust and experiment and knowing that just because you did something for 12 years doesn't mean that you have to keep going with it. I think that's also one of the big lessons that you've shared today. And and ultimately, I love when you talk openly about how you're feeling because you're not always happy all the time, you know, and I hope that you embrace that more and feel like you don't have to make people comfortable because you don't have control over their comfort levels anyways, Yeah. Well, I appreciate you saying that. I think I'm just, yeah, I don't know. I'm getting to a point where I'm getting more comfortable with just saying what's on my mind and being open about it because I think, you know, one of my big things, and I realized this was, it's a safety, it's an outdated safety mechanism to try and make everyone happy in the room. Because I remember as a kid feeling like if I make everyone laugh and I make everyone smile and I'm entertaining everyone, then I'll be safe, right? Because- if I'm making everyone laugh and bringing them joy, guess what? Jason doesn't get abandoned. So it's this thing I'm still unraveling of. I can share openly on the air and with you, Whitney, my friend and, and business partner and on this podcast of like, yeah, I don't feel like doing the podcast. I don't feel like doing anything right now. All I feel like is like kind of crawling in a hole and just being very still. And I might do that this afternoon. There's still more work we have to be done, but probably after this podcast, because I'm so exhausted, I'm going to go and be still before I jump back into writing and jump back into social media. And the thing I'm still undoing, and I think you and I collectively, Whitney, is you you and I are used to go, 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 go. We are, right? It's one of the reasons I think we have been successful, but I'm wanting to be mindful as you and I move forward, not only with this, but as individuals of 
how do we have a different relationship to this? How do we have a different relationship to financial abundance, profit? How do we have a different relationship to how we want to run our business? How do we have a different relationship to loving ourselves and being good to ourselves in a society and a culture that tells us we ought not do that? Just keep going. Just grind yourself into the ground till you make a million dollars because then we'll celebrate you. Like we're undoing and untethering so many levels of conditioning, right? And I guess I'm just, you know, I'm appreciative for you of just like holding space for a very difficult conversation prior to and during the podcast where I'm like, yeah, I don't know. You know, I don't know how I'm going to feel about anything in the future. I don't know if I feel like I'm even fulfilling my purpose. What even is my purpose? I just, I feel like I'm just floating in the middle of the ocean right now, just trying not to drown. I feel like I'm like looking for a life raft right now. And that's okay, right? It's, it's, I know I'm not going to drown, but emotionally, that's how I feel right now. We are going to take a brief break because I promised you at the beginning of this episode that I was going to tell you more about the consistency code. We launched this in 2019, right before the new year, and had an incredible time with our clients and our friends and everyone who enrolled. For you, we have a very special offer, as Whitney mentioned. It's a four-week video coaching program. The segments are pre-recorded, and the whole crux of the consistency code and why Whitney and I decided to put this together and have been promoting it and I am extending it to you for the special offer is because it's going to help you really find direction and develop the consistency that you need to stick with healthy, fulfilling habits. We found over and over again, not only for ourselves, but for the people we work with, you can have all of the aims and the goals and the habits that you want. But if it's not consistent and you're not integrating it into your daily practice in a way that is sustainable, the compound benefits won't be there. So by being consistent, you start to prioritize your self-care, you start to improve your time management, you eventually boost your self-confidence. It's really about just creating the self-discipline and the focus that you need to stick with healthy, fulfilling habits in 2021 and way beyond. This is not just about a new year thing. This is about really re-landscaping consistent metrics in your life and frameworks that help you stick to what you say you're going to do, right? So consistency, we know it's the key to everything from losing weight, gaining physical or mental strength, making more mindful, healthy food choices, getting more energy in your life, and just being more present. We talk a lot about presence and mindfulness. And the consistency code in four weeks really helps you just anchor all of those things in. So we mentioned it's on special right now. It's 50 bucks. It ends on November 30th. And we really would love for you to join us for this program because we really think it's going to give you the tools, the frameworks, the the perspectives that you need to really just gain that higher level of consistency in your life. You can get this course at the special price of just $50, which is... 25% of what it normally costs. Plus, you get a whole slew of other amazing programs in there as a bonus. You can sign up for this at bundle.wellevator.com. That's spelled B-U-N-D-L-E dot W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R dot com. Or just go to wellevator.com, find the show notes for this episode, find the consistency code. We'll make it super easy for you. We promise if you can't find it, just send us a message. We'll point you in the right direction. Make sure to do that before it ends on November 30th. I think saying those things out loud gives other people permission to say the same things out loud, Jason. So thank you. I hope you feel better because it sounded like you were having a rough go. And sometimes these episodes are therapeutic for us. And of course, always big lessons. And I I would agree. I often, after recording the podcast, just want to go lay in bed and watch TikTok videos or 
scroll mindlessly through social media or watch a movie or sometimes read a book and escape, you know, and and just let my body rest. And sometimes I take naps or I eat. I'm actually going to go run a few errands now and then probably do nothing for a while. And I think that's incredibly important given all of the things that we have chosen to put on our to-do list (laughs) at the moment. And we hope that this has inspired you, the listener. We are very grateful for you, truly. It means a lot. And I really do mean it. Getting feedback from you on anything, episodes, if you have signed up for a course, if you have seen something on social media, if you've read a blog post or whatever it is, we love hearing from you. We actually got a wonderful, wonderful piece of feedback via Instagram direct message recently and it made our day. So you can influence us and many other people by sending messages. So we encourage you to reach out to anybody who has impacted you, us included, you can find us at Wellevator, W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest as well. And you can also email us anytime. And sometimes we do bring up emails on the show, but we want to remind you that A, you will always be anonymous. And B, if you don't want us to share something, please feel free to just say that bluntly because it is possible that something you say will inspire us to talk about it. And if that's not something you're comfortable with, instead of not messaging us, just let us know. Say, hey, like I don't want my words being shared anywhere. And we will absolutely respect that. Uh, We take that very seriously. And I suppose whenever we share something online, we're always at risk of it being shared with somebody else. So it's it's a good uh, (laughs) reminder to us all. On a side note, a little tangent before we finish this episode, I have had reoccurring dreams and very frequently, Jason, of posting something online that I didn't mean to do. In fact, last night, I dreamt that I, and this is just coming back to me in this moment, I dreamt that I copied and pasted messages that I sent to you via text, copied and pasted it and sent it to somebody else I know that I haven't spoken to in a long time. And I literally woke up in a panic like, oh my gosh, I I sent messages to her that I meant for Jason and I couldn't fall back to sleep for like 15 minutes. And I've had uh, reoccurring dreams of accidentally going live on Instagram and like not knowing it and being embarrassed. I've had reoccurring dreams of accidentally posting something like it's such a bizarre paranoia that I've had. And anyways, it just ties into this idea that our lives are, are even more public than we probably ever wanted them to be. So... Regardless, we love having private messages with people <laughs> and I encourage you to reach out to us. Our email is hello at wellevator.com. There are show notes for every episode, this one included at wellevator.com. That's our hub. If you need anything, just go to wellevator.com. You'll find it. And if you're ever unable to find something, messaging and emailing us is the way to get an answer. We try to answer as quickly as possible. We read everything that we receive, and it means the world to us when you reach out. So until the next episode, which we really hope you'll stay tuned for because we have some great, wonderful guests coming up. We have more solo episodes, which we also hope are great and wonderful. And hitting the subscribe button is the best way to stay up to date when those are coming your way. So enjoy those. Enjoy the time in between. And we'll be back very soon with another episode. Thanks for listening and getting out of your comfort zone with us today. For show notes and more high-performance resources to help you thrive, go to wellevator.com. That's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com. 